what she What is it? I think I like this little life. Can y'all hear me? I can hear you. Are you already recording? Well, I like to record a little bit, you know, make sure that things sound right. He'll sometimes trick you and put it in the uh, main recording. Welcome back to Tequila Mockingbird. And uh, we have a very special episode uh, with you guys today. Um, it's unique in the fact that we're all a little toxic right now. Toxic? Intoxicated. <laughs> Intoxicated. <laughs> all right. Today we have two very special guests. One of my deepest, dearest friends, Elizabeth Thompson Teague. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Maria Burgess. Burgess. <laughs> Get her name right. Right, exactly. Burgess. Burgess. I said her right. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Um, some people wanted a trauma dump podcast for this unique episode. So, trigger warning. Trigger warning. If you aren't fucked up, and if you don't like to talk about trauma and it makes you uncomfortable, you should uh, skip on to the next podcast. Yay. <laughs> to our one fan drum, hello again. Hello, Drummington. Our, our VIP fan drum club. He gets the 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 newsletter, the monthly newsletter, monthly newsletter, every month. Um. Okay. So trauma. Uh. In order to to do this, I thought it'd be really special to whip this out and have some piano music in the background. <laughs> some sad piano music. We're gonna get sad. So, ladies, I've got some questions for you. Tell us about why you're fucked up. <laughs> Where should we start? <laughs> this podcast isn't enough time. <laughs> no, this podcast is fucking me up. <laughs> also, we do not pay for therapy after this podcast. That's not us on us. This podcast is therapy. Um, I did see that Coleman had some uh, chat. GPT. That's right. I asked AI some questions. I was like, what are some good questions for a trauma podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's some really professional ones. Maybe. Oh, wait. Start with the first one. So, what is trauma? Uh, what is trauma to you, and how does it affect individuals differently? Forget about the second part. What's trauma to you? <laughs> Literally anything that inconveniences me. <laughs> Get a little closer to the mic, please. Literally anything that inconveniences me. Okay. What about you? Um, literally every second of my life is trauma. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so we some very broad definitions of trauma. Okay. I'll give you one. To me, trauma is anything that I guess changes your point of view in a negative way or affects your everyday life. Yeah, where it can, like, impact you and just, I mean, it changes you as a person. Yeah, like meeting you. Hmm. That was trauma? traumatic experience. (laughs) How was that trauma for you? Well, you sat on me. Um, that's incorrect. You sat sat on on me. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah, I feel like we didn't give any background. Um, I met Elizabeth back in college. 2015. 
I need, I need some of this music right here so I can tell a story. I was all alone. I didn't know anybody. It was uh, just me in college with my roommate, and uh, I was trying to make friends, you know, get out there. And uh, I met a girl. Her name was Nicole. Um, it was actually Nicole. But we called her Nicole because she always had a notebook on her. Um, she invited me to hang out with her and her friends, and so I, I did. And I, uh, I went into this, like, common area, and I, and I was tired. My feet hurt. I had been up in the fields all day, you know? It was like, I'd been working and, and working, and, and, and I just needed to sit down. And, um, I saw a couch, and it looked really, really comfortable. So I decided to go over there and sit, and when I got closer, there was this, this woman laying on it, selfishly. I mean, a, a room full of people, and she was the only one laying on a big-ass couch. So I was like, hey, how you doing? And she was like, fuck off. And I was like, all right, um, can I sit with you? And she said, no. Um, she said, I'm laying here and I'm going to lay here. And I said, all right, bitch. So I sat on her. I said, you can lay there, but I'm going to sit right here. And uh, it was love at first sight. <laughs> It was something. I mean, look at us now, though. How many years later? Like, uh, eight years later? Like 12, 15, 32. I don't know. It's all the same. Um. It's not a competition or anything. I'm sorry. I can't hear anything you're saying. It's not a competition it, or what? Mm, oh, excuse me? Me and Elizabeth have been friends for longer than that. But have you ever sat on her? That's not something that we're going to disclose on this podcast. Uh, to we want to keep the trauma to ourselves, not traumatize other people. See, I also knew Elizabeth in high school, but we didn't really communicate or talk with each other. Uh, I was also kind of a prude in high school, (laughs) kind of a little little asshole. Was? In high school? Okay, I'm still a bitch, but I'm a different kind of bitch. (laughs) And then, yeah, Hugo connected me and Elizabeth back together again. I'm like Madam Web, connecting everybody. So I think at this point we need to, like, shoot you out of the web. I mean... Shit, probably. <laughs> Elizabeth, tell us about your dead mom. <laughs> so my dead mom. <laughs> so I was eight. And this woman, let me let me say that she was not a good person exactly. That she was very into drugs. She was abusive. Um, and when I was eight, I remember coming home. And there was a newspaper there. And it was saying something about her that she was found in a truck, I think, with her boyfriend, and she had shot herself. And I remember... <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's awkward. That's why. It is awkward. <laughs> and I remember my dad sitting us down, me, Aaron, and Robert. Those are my two brothers. And he told us about it. And, yeah. That's my dead mom. Do you miss her? I miss the relationship I could have had with her. Because growing up in a house with all guys, that was, you know, I mean, I just didn't have that mother-daughter thing. I didn't have a female presence in my life like that. So, I miss that. Understood. I don't know where to go from this. (laughs) Well, I think think everyone's going to have questions are going to be like, why are y'all laughing? (laughs) So, I I think a lot of people who've had traumatic experiences use... Humor mm-hmm. as a coping mechanism, and really, it's only those who have trauma 
and use humor as a coping mechanism that understand right. uh, why we laugh and why we make super inappropriate jokes about it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and freak others out and other people are like, I got you, understand. Yeah, if like, I didn't laugh through the trauma, I mean, I'd probably be, you know, like, I don't know. With your mom? Probably with my mom. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a lot of really good your mom jokes, but I can never say <laughs> You know, funny, funny enough, when, when Elizabeth and I first met, we would, I would always throw that dead mom thing out. Somebody would say, like, a your mama joke, and I'd be like, that's so fucked up, Elizabeth's mom's dead. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> but, um, I get that. I get that. You know, growing up in a, in a, in a home, I grew up with two parents. Um, so, you know, a lot of people aren't that lucky. So, I, I get it, you know. Privilege. It, it, is, pri- <laughs> it, it is privilege. Right? It is. That's crazy to think, because you'll think of, like, white privilege or, like, money privilege. But, like, you don't think about parents being a privilege. And, mm. and a lot of people grow up with just one one family, or one family, one parent. Like, you know, Elizabeth had a dead mom, and Coleman had a dead dad. So, it's like, you know. He is, in fact, dead. He is, in fact. So, tell us about your dead dad. He did. <laughs> Thank you so much yep. for that. End of story. Yep. That's it. He's dead. I was in uh, freshman year of high school, uh, and he passed away from alcohol and opioids in the hospital. His liver was failing. Kind of <clears throat> killed his liver there, <laughs> which killed him. <laughs> Chopped liver. Chopped liver. That was a good one. <laughs> but also, it reminded me of a girl that we knew back in the day who would always say that she was dying and All she needed time. a I new mean, liver. And it was crazy. She, every, everybody she knew was dying. Like, there was somebody new from her hometown that, like, died every week. And at one point, we were like, girl, shut the fuck up. <laughs> everybody you know is dead. <laughs> um, and, you know, we don't want to be one of, dead, one of those dead people. <laughs> so. But I will say, I, unlike most people who have maybe a rocky relationship with their parents got a chance to make amends before he passed away and had time to visit him in the hospital at the uh, VA and so I spent the night the day before he died kind of just like rekindled a little bit I never forgave him but I'm like right right. the bridge was a little sturdy I would say so yeah yeah. it was falling apart and you put a few more nails on it you know yeah that's definitely something I wish I could have done like just talk and be like you know why were the drugs more important? <laughs> Why were the drugs more important than Yeah. Me? I feel like that's a very... That's so crazy to think. And and especially up here in the mountains. <laughs> I mean, I, I see it all the time. Everybody sees it all the time. But how parents will choose drugs over their own children. Um, it fucking sucks. Like, why have a kid if, if you're going to put them second to to a drug or to you know going out or, or whatever it might be um i think it goes deeper than a choice i think it goes to the psychological root of addiction mm-hmm. and its control over people and their body uh, it's a, most people don't view it as a disease but it is mm-hmm. uh, and unless you're addicted you'll never fully know how much control it has over you and how you can't stop right. it from making you do things and giving you cravings and mm-hmm. My dad, you know, he was he was actually addicted to cocaine also. Um, and he's told me, it was when his dad died. So his dad died in 92, I think. And so he started doing cocaine pretty hard then. And so whenever Robert, my older brother, he was, they found out he, like, they were pregnant with Robert. That's when dad was just like, I'm done. And so he went and joined rehab and 
That's how he stopped doing cocaine. <laughs> I can... He saw He went to rehab and he kicked that's the addiction. And, and that's good that people can can see that and and make that choice. It's a very hard choice, mm-hmm. but but he he made that choice and that's great. That's good. I was also gonna say that I feel like on the topic of trauma, that addiction can be not a natural response, but like again a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. People, like you said, people use laughter to deal with trauma or like I or addiction. Yeah, people can't handle the emotions naturally, so that's what they turn to and they use that as a. Alexa, play "Why Would You Leave Us" by NF. Oh my god, no, she actually heard me! <laughs> Dang, she'll have to play a depressing-ass song by <laughs> NF about his mom dying over... I don't know what she was on, drugs. Oh no, that's Hope. Alexa, shut up. So, speaking of trauma... What kind of trauma do you have? Maria, tell us about your trauma. I, too, also have daddy issues. I need you to swallow that mic. <laughs> I, too. I, too, also have daddy issues. Um... So that's my go-to usually when I'm talking about trauma or early childhood trauma. Um, So when I was younger, I have no memories of my dad. Him and my mom split up when I was two or three. And I'm originally from the Marshall Islands, so I have a older sibling. (laughs) Island! (laughs) I have an older sibling. We have the... um, well, I have a blend of family, but again, my older brother, me and him have the same parent. And so I don't have any memories of him. He's older than me. I have no memories of him or my dad. And we moved to the U.S. And that kind of affected me for a couple of years before my mom got remarried. I was very young. I had no memories. I would go to school. Everyone would be talking about their dad. I had, I had to see my mom be a single mom for a couple of years. And it was very difficult because she was never around also because our grandma helped watch us while she had to pay for the bills so it was a lot to transition being in a new country not having any memories of people that I should have memories of and people like oh and kids you know kids are the worst they're mean you have the childhood bullies that are you have no dad or like who's your you know they find out a little snippet of your life and they throw it in your face so so that's my early childhood trauma my go-to but I was blessed because my mom got remarried to my stepdad when I was about eight, and that kind of killed my daddy issues. But from then on, like, I don't have a side of my family that I know very well, and it still kind of affects me, but I'm blessed to say that I have a stepdad that stepped in who I can call my father and treats me like one of his own. So, again, that's my early childhood trauma, but I can say that I'm very blessed. That was beautiful. Um, fuck them kids, bro. I'm telling fuck you. Fuck them kids. God. See, Were I you think... bullied for because your mom died? Sorry. You can cool. you can take that mic out. Just take it out. Fuck it. I think that'd be better. How do you do that? Just pull it down. Speak into it. Testing. There you go. Ooh. Ooh yeah. <laughs> so much better. So, as you can already tell, there's, I, I guess, different levels of trauma and just like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, trauma is also <laughs> in the eye of the beholder. And what's traumatic to some may not seem traumatic to others. So, I'm curious to see, Hugo, what type of trauma do you think you've experienced through your life? Or, may, sorry, what I, type of trauma do you feel like you have in your 
I took the quiz and I had a zero out of ten, so I'm I'm normal. The quiz he's refer- referring to is the ACEs test, which is a uh, childhood trauma test of events that happen before you're the age of 18. Essentially, the higher you score, uh, the more likely you are to have certain side effects and symptoms as an adult. Uh, and Hugo is very, very awesome and privileged to have a zero, so that's good for him. Actually, no, I think I had a one. Oh, okay, one. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Also, Hugo thinks he's perfect, so was that accurate? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was. I'm pretty sure I took that test and I was like, I had like every single one of them except yeah. for like one. 20 questions and it said you got 22 out of 20. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. Sarah was doing it for a school project and I took it and I thought getting a high score was good. I was like, oh my God, I got like nine out of 10. This is great. She goes, like, no, you're traumatized. <laughs> She's like, oh, that is not good. I think for me, my biggest trauma was when I was five. Um, I lost my little baby brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't resist. That's fucked up. <laughs> it's a very, very touchy subject for me, you bitch. I love you. Um, <laughs> thank you. We really need an aww. We need to figure out how to program these buttons down here. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I had, I had a cousin. Uh, her name is Delisa. She is my little nugget. Uh, my little, my little nuggets mom. Um, since y'all know who Nugget is. Um, but yeah, she has three kids of her own now. I love them all very, very much. Uh, but she was, she's a year older than I am, or maybe a little less than a year, but we're a few months apart, I guess. Um, but she had a brother, Brian, who also has a baby now. They're all, they're all having kids, and I'm like, I don't know how y'all afford that shit. Um, but I love them all. Uh, but me and Brian are, are the same age. He, I am a few months older than him. But I remember thinking, I was like, dang, Brian has an older sister. And then they had a younger brother as well, Ronaldo, who is like 21 or something. Um, but I was like, damn, like there are three of them and they have each other. And I'm just lonely. I'm alone. Um, and so I guess my parents were like, let's give him a little kid. Let's give him a little brother. Um, so they decided to have another baby. And I don't I don't know how, how far along my mom was. I, she might have pretty much almost been done. But um, when she was having the baby, uh, his umbilical cord had wrapped around his neck, so he suffocated and died. Um, please don't laugh. I'm not I will cry this right now. This is the way you're delivering the message. <laughs> Continue. Um, that was sad. I, 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 I still think about it because I, I remember it very well that I was in my parents' room, like ready for my little brother to come home and. Only my dad came home, and I was like, oh, you know, where's my mom? Where's, where's, you know, Emmanuel? And my dad was like, we, we need to talk. Um, and then I was just kind of, you know, <laughs> crying. <laughs> um, but I think I might have locked myself in my room for a bit. Like, I did not want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. Um, I didn't go to his funeral. My parents did not think it would be appropriate for me to go. Um... Kind of like Elizabeth said, she wished that she could, like, say goodbye to her mom. And, and, you know, Coleman was able to say goodbye to his dad. I wish I kind of would have attended. Um, I know it would, probably would have done more, like, damage at the moment. Because I would have been like, ah. But I think in the long run, it would have been better. Because I would have been able to, like, see him. And been like, you know, like, hey, I love you. You know, thanks for trying. Um, and then a year later, they had another baby. And we don't talk about him. He's a farmer. Um... <laughs> 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 Johan. Ah, uh, Johan. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that I think that might have been one of the biggest heartbreaks I've ever had in my life. Um, just kind of being excited to to be a big brother and to be there for someone, and then them being like, actually, he's not coming home. Um, that's really sad. But I did I did get I did get the opportunity to be a big brother a year later um, with Johan. Um, he's a farmer now grows a lot of different vegetables at home i don't know what he's he, he's weird that's my trauma i will say i didn't even know that and i apologize obviously that's very sad and i had a question um did you understand when your dad came to talk to you about the like did he explain that he passed away and did you like understand like the whole circumstances of the situation oh goodness um i think at the time i was just mad and and sad and i i don't think i quite understood that he's not coming home and that he like he he's gone you know like there's really no no fixing that you know and and i remember thinking i was like that's so unfair like you know, and, and I was mad, and, and I was mad at my cousins. I'd be like, "Why does Lisa get two little brothers? I don't get one." Um, but it was, it was, I guess, hard to understand as a kid. And and we think that, oh, you know, they're they're dead, and you're like, oh, "What does that mean?" Um, but it's sad as a kid. But I think it's more sad now because you actually understand like <laughs> what it means to actually lose someone like that. Um, but, yeah, how old were you, did you say, when your mom died? I was eight. And you, when your dad? I was three. I have no memories. So. Okay. So, I guess the question, I'd like to kind of hear the same thing that Mary just asked, but did you understand kind of what it meant? I was five at the time. So, your mom died three years after my brother died. So, I'm not totally, all I remember is when dad told us, like, I, like, busted out sobbing. And this was a woman I've never met, or that I don't remember, because I think she loved. So my older brother is one year older than me. And then I have a younger brother who's one year younger than me. And so I think she left right after Aaron was born. And so I've never really met her. Um, I don't remember her at all. But I just remember being so sad when I heard. Because that was something I was just never going to get. Like I was never going to have that mother figure or that mother-daughter relationship. And so like I knew she wasn't like coming back. So I was just, I was sad. I think that might have been kind of the same for me that why I was like, so sad too because it was like i i don't get to be a big brother i don't get to look after someone and and you know and i think the worst part was that the twins are two years younger than me and they had lived with us when they were first born so i got that experience of being a big brother and like they were little babies and i'd be like oh come watch tv with me oh i want to lay with them oh i want to take care of them and i'd like follow them everywhere and so having that like few years of like helping out and like being it and you know i was like three or something um and then them leaving was kind of like dang now what do i do and so it's like when i finally got the opportunity to have you know my own and, and like actually call them my brother and not just like you know my cousins i could leave at any time that's i think that's what really impacted it the most and kind of like i guess hit the nail in the coffin so yeah. to speak i don't think he's in the coffin though he is in mexico though he is in mexico which is really selfish really selfish of my parents because like i don't even get to see him here <laughs> are you kidding me um but i did visit him when i went to mexico a few years back and i cried and i didn't know where i was i don't know if you guys have ever experienced that when you just like 
go in somewhere and you don't know where you are, but like you just feel this like deep like sadness. And that was kind of what I did. Like I went into like where the tombs were, like because he's in a wall, like you know, like in the church. And I didn't know he was in there, but I remember walking in there and I was just crying. <laughs> I didn't know. It's in the walls. Did you get closure from that experience? Yeah, I I guess I I had family there with me at the time, so like I wasn't alone, and like my family was there. My family was there, and like you know they they like hugged me while I was there, so like it felt nice to kind of like just let it out as a grown up because <laughs> I was like what nineteen or something. Um, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed that, and I was like I get that like little bit of closure that I didn't get as a as a kid. So I kind of relate to what you guys are saying about. Um, I think because we're younger, we're more affected because of we're imagining what could be um, for Elizabeth, what could have been the relationship with her mom, you being a big brother. With my situation, obviously, I would be like, oh, what would it be like to have a dad? But also with my situation, I could see how my mom was a very strong woman. But again, I had an older brother that um, he was four or five at the time and the circumstances of my parents split is my dad had just left and he took my brother with him he my mom they didn't have an agreement to like split us up you know like parent trap style but um i could see how it affected her not having her son her firstborn and that affected me as a young kid obviously i didn't understand it but also i yearned for a relationship with I never had that relationship with my older brother and we reconnected in high school or we found each other after so many years apart but we it wasn't as natural as the relationship i have with my little brother that i grew up with so i could see how that trauma affects us as little kids we just yearn for what could have been and i can relate to that because i don't know how many people know but i actually have a half sister that's from my mom's side and I think she's like, so I'm 26. I think she's 29 or 30. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I remember my dad telling me one time, like whenever my dad and my mom first split up, that he was trying to get custody of all four of us. Um, but that just, it didn't work out. He got three of us, but um, my sister went to live with my mom. And so that's something I also think about is like having a sister relationship or like, you know, a sister-sister relationship. Um, and so I've met her a couple of times. She actually came out to college. Hugo, I don't know if you remember her coming out to the apartment. And that was like the first time I've ever actually like hung out with her and I was in college. Um, and I haven't really talked to her since. And she has a baby now. And I mean, I just don't talk to her. So I'm like, I mean, I'm an aunt right now and I haven't met the baby. Yeah. And you don't get that relationship either. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Like one, one trauma from when you were eight is still kind of trickling in. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, need some sad buttons. I'm right. Tired of this shit. Where are my? Where are the instructions to this shit? I was gonna say yeah, because I'm also an aunt to three kids off my older brother's side. My mom's a grand. She would have been a grandma, or she is a grandma, but she also doesn't have that relationship with him. And so it's sad because she wants me to have grandkids. You know, I'm 28, single. Fuck them kids. <laughs> And she's pushing me to have grandkids. Not but in this economy. <laughs> exactly. Like, who's going to pay my bills? I can't pay for kids. So. <laughs> I 
think it's important that uh, we talked about trauma. We talked about its effects and kind of how it's lingering with you uh, later in life. But what are some, you know, self-care practices everyone does <clears throat> when they might have like a flashback or they're in situations? How do you move on? How do you get out of the hole? How do you process these things? What are, what are y'all's little tips and tricks? Mine was therapy. I had to get a therapist and a psychiatrist and on meds. Um, but everyone's different. Other people do certain hobbies and activities. So I think, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm 26. And I mean, on top of that trauma, I have a bunch of other fun trauma. Um, so I think in a way I'm still learning how to deal with that trauma because I took very destructive paths <laughs> when I first started to try to get through it. Hugo can talk about that. <laughs> college days. <laughs> I was drinking very heavily in college. I skipped three months of classes. Um, I passed my classes. I don't know how I did that, but I mean, I was drinking constantly. Um, but something I do... Fireball. <laughs> let's not talk about fireball nights. Let's not talk about fireball. <laughs> um, so something I do now personally is I love to read. Reading, it's like I get to be in all these other worlds and all these other people, all these characters. And I mean, I just like reading about it because I mean, if I can't experience the happiness, I like to read about it. And think about like what could have been <laughs> um but yeah i like to read and that's how i deal with my trauma oh my turn okay <laughs> so for me <laughs> well for me i like to i have a big family so a lot of the time i like to hang out with my family or my friends but also i've become a workaholic <laughs> So I feel like my natural reaction is to find a distraction. Um, I've never had therapy, but also I feel like sometimes I'm naturally just attuned to my emotions or I'm just like hyper aware of why I am the way I am. And so I feel like I've be as an adult, I've become very calm and try not to react to things that I can't control or react to trauma that I realized that has made me the person that I am and yeah again I feel like I just try to find a distraction and like Elizabeth I do have hobbies such as like reading like I mentioned earlier I'm ADHD so I always hyper fixate on something like during the pandemic I wanted to become become a nail artist and I can't even remember how to do a whole nail process now <laughs> But yeah, I tend to distract myself with little hobbies or just honestly, I work a lot. So I just give myself no time to either think about it or process my emotions. That is a way to deal with it. <laughs> Not a healthy way to Not deal with it. Not a healthy way, but um, sometimes it's all about surviving. That's all you can do. Unlike Miria's where she embraces all of her emotions, something I do that's not healthy is I shut mine down. Like, I mean, I can completely cut myself off and not feel anything about anyone or anything. Like, I mean, very unhealthy, but that's what I do sometimes. That's why I think it's important oh in the, uh, the moments of peace and calm and joy that you relish in those and enjoy it and savor it. And then, you know, take it day by day. And uh, sometimes I know it's a toxic principle that, that it is what it is. Exactly. It is what it is. That's all you can do. No one's a time traveler. I wish I was. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool, though? Right. Yeah, like, 
for instance, when I was a teen, you know, I feel like everyone can relate to this. You're just becoming an adult, feeling all the emotions. For me, me and my mom used to butt heads and I was so angry when I was a teenager. And so when I finally moved out, I was like, I need to work on myself and I want to get to a point where I don't want anyone to have control over my emotions or is able to bring me from one to 100 in a snap. And so I think whenever I was unlike Elizabeth, where she says she shuts down and doesn't process her emotions, I like to feel all my emotions in the moment that it happens. But like Coleman said, sometimes you have to it is what it is. You have control over what you have control over. And then some things you just can't give a reaction to. And that's why I said I usually try and process all my emotions in the moment that it happens. And then I tend to distract myself, like I mentioned earlier. But yeah, like I just I hate it when people can get an, a reaction out of me. And I just try not to do that. So that's why I said distractions are my method. <laughs> Also, with the ways you cope and move forward, I think it's important to, you know, it's cheesy, but keep hope in the background and keep hope that there's always a better tomorrow and a better future. And, you know, looking to the future without dreading on the past. I always like to say we recognize the past, but we don't dwell in it. And then, um, you know, just keep on trucking. And there's a cat on the table. Hello, Mumford. <laughs> you know, I think keeping hope is very important because... I would say that, um, which I mean, I'm a very pessimistic person. I, I'm a very depressed person. Um, and I think the only thing that's kept me from joining my mom is that I think, you know, like tomorrow, like what could happen tomorrow? I don't know. I can meet like the love of my life or get, get into some money or something, you know, something good could happen. And that's what keeps me going. Cause if I stop and think and all the stuff I've been through and what I think might not happen, you know, that could be it. I also think being responsible for someone or something other than yourself um, can help in, in a way. Um, when I was a little kid, I always wanted a husky. Always. He, I mean, I have always wanted one. Um, and, and they say that, like, what's meant to be for you is meant to be for you. Um, and, you know, kind of kind of going, you know, after college and stuff, you know, being sad that I was away from, like, my friends and just kind of, like, being in that, like, bummed out, like, gloomy, kind of depressed um, feel. My cousin randomly hit me up and was like, hey, would you like to take a husky? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, are you lying to me right now? And he had already been to, like, two or three different homes and, like, they didn't work out. And I, like, texted my mom and I was like, hey, like, can I get a husky? And she said no. And I was like, well, this is awkward because I already said yes. Um, and I got him that same night, <laughs> um, but, you know, he had already been to like three, three different homes and the, and they didn't work out. And then they brought him to me and here we are three years later, four years later, I want to say. Um, and he's still, he's still by my side. He's still one of my best friends and I love him very much. I, I like it when he crawls into bed and, you know, you can kind of like hug him and, and, and that's really nice because you're taking care of something that isn't yourself and you know that like. I know that he depends on me. He depends on Coleman and and uh, Sarah, who loves to spoil him with treats when she shouldn't. Um, but you know, just kind of having that. And you have three dogs now, and I and, do. And you have the little the little rat looking one, and 
she depends on you for a lot, clearly, and, mm. and I bet she makes you very happy. She does. Um, you know, that's something Maria hates Mazakine, that's her name. It's she is my baby. Name. She's with me every night. Um, but something that keeps me from, you know, taking that step I can't undo is I think about all the people that depend on me. I think about my pets. I wouldn't want to leave them. And then Adam, you know, I couldn't leave Adam and then my family, they're all like they're not in the best of health right now, and I just, just thinking about like not being here for them. Like, I mean, that's just that's a lot. And pets don't understand when you're gone. Mm -mm. They don't. They don't get it. They're just sad. <laughs> <laughs> and Coleman has Piper, oh little Pipey, and then he had Mumford, little Mumphy, and look, there's Stevie. Stevie, hi baby. He's watching. He's watching. Yeah, he's not hiding. But yeah, three little pets that depend on him. So, you know, he can't leave. And then Neo, here comes Neo, because he needs to tell his, his white papa that he depends on him. Such a blended family. Such a blended family. We have a we little are, bit of everything. We We're diverse around here. <laughs> Diversity. With a capital T. Two, two redheads, uh, two cats, two dogs, some male, some feet. Two redheads? Your, your cats you are redheads. Cat. Uh, I thought y'all were like twins when I walked in, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's Coleman? <laughs> I was not sure who to talk to when I walked in. Because me and the cat are both fat? You got something to say? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no. Fat and redheaded. Big fat whitey, that's me. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> y'all both need to hit the gym. Um, something uh, we have in common. <laughs> I think it's important that we, <clears throat> as we wrap up this little impromptu intoxicated episode, or as I said, toxic episode. Well, I guess it's both. It's pretty toxic. <laughs> pretty toxic. In um, was like a funny, funny story you have with trauma. I think it's funny um, if there's like a scenario where you had a traumatic event happen, and then maybe somebody's being mean to you, and they didn't know you've had trauma, and then you like were able to like kind of toxically throw it back in their face, <laughs> and they like shut up. Mine was. Uh, it was kind of like four days after my dad had passed away. I'd been out of class, and I was in the ROTC program, which is like a military program in the high school. And um, we were like in our morning roll call my freshman year. And I had been gone. It was like, it was literally like summer break, and we like come back, yada, yada, yada. I'd been there for a few weeks, and I was gone for a little while. Come back, and like my hair's not cut. I'm not wearing my uniform. And like the professor, who was also like a sergeant in the Navy, was like, chewing me out and he goes where were you doing this and all my friends in the classroom knew why i was gone but he didn't and so i was able to stand there and cross my arms and be like well actually it's because my dad is dead he just died and like he like shut down and cowered and like left the room and i like had to act like i was kind of sad but at the back of my head i was like he 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 you bastard <laughs> how, how many times can i use this dead parent joke mm -hmm. i use it to this day same you know, dead mom jokes, dead dad jokes. I mean, I mean, that's just, that's how it is. And I remember this one time I was in Ingles. I used to be a manager at Ingles. Woo, Ingles! <laughs> Brought to you by Ingles, our sponsor today. Yeah, Ingles! Um, I remember I, like, I was the night manager, and I was the night manager pretty much five nights a week. I mean, I rarely worked um, a different shift. And there was this one lady who she, I mean, we talked all the time. She was so sweet. And there was this one time we were walking, I was walking around because we were closed and I had to walk her to the door. 
and she was like who is your mom you look I feel like you look like somebody and you know some people would just be like oh you know I don't think you know her or something like that and I was just like um actually she's dead <laughs> she just kind of looked at me and I was just like no she she's gone been for like 20 years now she's dead I'm telling you you knew my mom 20 years ago <laughs> were you at her funeral <laughs> And I mean that was. Are <laughs> you doing drugs? Were with you her my dealer? <laughs> like, did you give her this cocaine? I swear you look like somebody I used to sell coke to. <laughs> so that's my funny story, I guess, because she just she just looked at me and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And I was just like, "Oh, you know, it's it's been hard, but it's okay. It's okay. It's just been 20 years." <laughs> I was going to say for Ingalls, that was my first stop too. So, woohoo, Ingalls. Woo! <laughs> Relating to mom jokes, not maybe dead mom jokes. Well, actually, <laughs> no, it, this doesn't relate to, well, it, it came from my mouth, but it's not my trauma. One of my friends. What came in, in your mouth? Oh, <laughs> I set myself for that. <laughs> One of my friends in middle school, his mom had just passed away. A couple months before and he was we were walking to the bus to leave at the end of the day and you know me being a stupid high schooler i would think i was a freshman made a your mom joke and his mom again had passed away and his face just kind of dropped and i was like oh fuck or can I guess on this? Yeah, of course. <laughs> fuck fuck. Yeah, I was just like. Now we have to pay Spotify ten dollar fine. <laughs> you can pay that to me via Apple Cash. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to pay Apple Podcast twenty bucks for every cuss word you just said. Let's just edit that out. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of reminded me. You know, you gotta watch what you say because, like Elizabeth, I was the stupid woman that told her, um, or. I was a stupid woman in her story that was like, oh, who's your mom doing that to him saying, oh, your mom joke. But she had just passed away. So I could see how he reacted to it. And I was just like, oh, God, I have to watch what I say. So I guess that's my story. Not my trauma, but. But you're also human. Yeah, you know? that's true. But and again, so I learned from it. So. Yeah. But in all honesty, thanks. Thanks for listening. And um. If you or others feel like you need help, there are helplines out there for you. Um, we care about you. You matter. And deal with your shit. Get the help you need and find ways through it. We love you. We love everybody who's listening. All two people. Um, but yeah, get help. Find things that make you happy. What was my motto? Fuck it, but I love you. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, fuck it, but I love you. That's 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 the motto, you know? Fuck it. You gotta say fuck it, but you gotta love the people around you, and you gotta love yourself. Oh, it's because you said, sometimes you gotta focus on yourself and say fuck it, but also love those around you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if the people around you aren't doing well, then, then you're not gonna do well, because that energy brings you down. And if you're not doing well, the people around you aren't doing well. So you gotta you gotta watch the people around you and you gotta bring each other up. It's the circle of life. <laughs> and it moves us on. Take us out take us out, Hugo. <clears throat> Cause love is pain, but I need that shit. We fuck too good when the beat kicks in. Like Fortnite, I'ma need your skin. Don't give a fuck where the penis been. Boy, you're the one, you're the only man. Trauma <laughs> Trauma Also, speaking of trauma. 
Who the fuck left their crust on that pizza? We started doing this. I haven't eaten it yet. I'm gonna get there, I promise. <laughs> also, if you don't eat the crust on your pizza, fuck you. Because that's the best damn part of the pizza.